You're listening to Talking Threat Intelligence, a podcast dedicated to uncovering the new challenges of today's threat landscape. Each episode, we connect with some of the world's leading practitioners to share stories from the front lines of corporate security. And now, on to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Threat Intelligence, sponsored by LifeRaft. I'm your host, Robert Value. And joining me on the show today from the advisory Plan for Risk is partner Moritz Schramm and CEO Malte Roshensky. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rob. Cheers. Now, before we jump in here, guys, I just want to provide our audience with a little bit of an outline of what I hope to discuss today. First, I'd like to talk about some of the common challenges you've encountered when trying to convince senior leadership about the value of threat intelligence. Second, I want to dive into what are some of the consequences other analysts could experience when failing to get management buy-in. And then third, and and this is where I think the real meat of the episode is going to be, I I want to break down some of the strategies and tactics that you found the most effective in conveying the value of intelligence to senior leadership that might not be familiar with the field. So I hope that sounds like a good outline for for everything. Sounds perfect. Yeah. All right. Malte, I, I might start with you. What are the biggest challenges that you've experienced when trying to... Yeah, even in specialized media and so on. So the same, of course, extends to corporations we're targeting. And that is certainly an uphill struggle all the time because essentially what we have to do is to start from scratch by explaining the whole idea of why it is important to kind of install some forward forecasting mechanisms when we when we try to pitch our products and so on and and this is uh, definitely something where we always have to start with abc more or less right and I, that's why i think this conversation is going to be kind of interesting today because it's going to be interesting to hear what some of the challenges that you guys are experiencing over in europe how you're having those conversations with management teams and so, so i think there's still going to be a lot of lessons here for more north american audience that is still trying to convey the value of threat intelligence in, in a more corporate setting. Moritz, I might, I might come to you now. What have been some of the consequences that, that you've seen as a result of management not appreciating the value of threat intelligence? And perhaps also, what are some of the, the consequences when, when you're trying to work with, with clients when you don't necessarily have that place in the boardroom with decision makers? I mean, first up, you have to consider that the American intelligence industry is about 4 billion euros in total. In Germany, we, we, we talk about 3 million. So it is less than a fraction of what is actually happening in the United States. And this is just a small picture of the entire problem which we're facing. From a cultural standpoint, you guys in the United States are really like what CIA does, NSA, what is decision making for government agencies? How do um, corporations have their decision cycles? And in Germany, this is not really culturally established at all. So even from a military standpoint, we have leaders transitioning, what you had a podcast about as well, from the military to leadership positions. There's not this real understanding of intelligence-based decision-making. So what we have to do is, first, we have a bigger problem with scaling. Intelligence software is somewhat expensive. And if you only have so many clients, because the market only gives so much away, you have to look way deeper into the economic aspects of your overhead as a service provider. That is one of the, the, the biggest challenges we face. 
The second thing is we have a lot of explaining to do. Starting from how our profound decisions made back to the topic of what is actually intelligence and what is the difference between a newsletter and our service. Because not even this like basic understanding of intelligence is established here. Following this, we have started a campaign to, to just educate. We start to educate like German middle-sized businesses. We have free webinars. We have free seminars. And we just try to convey the idea of intelligence. And that is something where, what especially in this current situation in a global matter, this is really important, generally spoken. So it, it, it sounds to me, just to summarize what, what you're trying to say there, here in the States, we have huge military industrial complex with tons and tons of intelligence coming in from the government sector. And so there's more of the mindset, there's sort of the lingo. So people are a little bit more apt to kind of accept this new function coming into their organization. Whereas from what it sounds like what you're saying is the language doesn't even exist yet because there's not that government infrastructure whatsoever to, to kind of come in. So it's even when, you, when you're coming into the sales process, you're starting even at the beginning. There's a little bit of an understanding in North America, whereas on Europe, this concept hasn't even really, really started to register. So you're starting at very much square one when, when you're coming into the boardroom and trying to, to pitch your services. So, I mean, I think what's the, what's the biggest difference is as well, is we always start from a really special pain point. A customer comes to us and says, yeah, we need, we have this problem. We need to have it fixed somehow. They don't even understand why they have this problem. They don't have this um, understanding how they could solve the problem. There's just an understanding, yeah, the guys are planned for risk here based, based in Berlin. They do something with in information. I have no idea. They, they solve problems for big corporations. Let's just call them up. Yeah. And that's something which happens from time to time where we then explain, good, there's actually a solution to some problems which you thought before were not possible, right? And this is how we enter the market. Yeah, I want to. I want to just put a pin in that just just for a second with the tactics and techniques because I'm I'm enjoying this conversation about the the consequences and, and I do want to get to the pain points there. So, so I just I want to dive in a little bit more in terms of and and we talked a little bit about this in our in our pre call a couple of weeks ago about some of the consequences that that you guys have seen as a result of of German companies and and European companies in general not having this sort of intelligence function. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Well, European countries, there are some European countries who do have that in intelligence function, obviously. In general, you can say that in the Anglo-Saxon world and partly also in French, the presence of intelligence, the concept of intelligence is way more publicly known and is accepted even. So it is, it is normal to understand the need of some sort of intelligence backup for all sorts of operations. And in Germany and in some other uh, European countries, the, the problem is, as we, as we laid out already, to have the basic notion, the basic idea of why intelligence is, is necessary. Now, how can this be lacking? For example, on a very general level, the lack of proper threat intelligence, of directed and tailored threat intelligence, bespoke indicator sets that inform intelligence, can of course mean, on a very concrete level, that corporations spend a lot of useless resources on potential threat areas that they have identified just willy-nilly, more or less, yeah, just because somebody thinks it's important, but they haven't really made the analysis. They haven't really come up 
with an, a proprietary indicator set that really answers to their intelligence needs for that particular company. So once that is done, it, is, it really helps to save resources and direct the, the resources that companies do have available into the right areas, especially in the economic climate that we currently have in, in Europe and in Germany. We're looking at declines. German economy is decreasing at the moment. We're struggling, really. And so it is really important. And we've seen that just recently when we were approached by a potential client with a very specific intelligence requirement in Africa. In East Africa, they were having a project there. We won't go into details, but the project was worth was basically producing a, a value of roughly a million dollars per day. So there was some kind of say civil war in the area, and the, the front line was very close by. And for that potential client, it's, it was very important to understand to know what would actually be the next steps. Where, where could the front line move? Is the opposition getting stronger? Which commander of the government forces makes what sort of decisions? That's a very specific intelligence need. Now, we, we can definitely contribute to these kinds of intelligence pictures. And that's exactly a very good example of how a very appropriately and proprietarily designed indicator setup can really assist that company in saving millions of dollars per week. Even one day of operation on top is basically already bringing back the investment for the intelligence structure, if, if you look at that from, from, from that perspective. So that's, that's, a, that's a benefit of, of this sort of intelligence. Another thing is as well, what we have noticed mostly, likely, mostly is that most companies who don't employ a culture of intelligence usage, they will not know the risk involved. When I was in West Africa in a country where there was just uh, civil unrest, just in this moment when, I, when my plane landed, I had talks with German companies operating in this region. They were just were not aware. There was just no understanding of the risk involved and they were caught by surprise. Same thing would happen to Germany with the energy crisis um, because of Ukraine. Now of Israel, everybody was sort of overwhelmed, but us Germans especially. Um, COVID hit, Suez Canal Channel. I could name a dozen different examples where the German just forecasting failed miserably. And this is just something what needs a long-term cultural change. But what we have seen as well, we have had a lot of um, talks with um, different clients over the last months, and the, the pain of the German industry gets so intense. Mm. There's no other way for them other than to adopt. And this is what we've seen. Yeah. All right, guys, that was that was super interesting answer. I was furiously taking down notes to the whole point. And there's there's a bunch of different directions that I could take this conversation next. But I kind of want to steer it back to, Moritz, what you were talking about previously with pain points that a lot of your clients have and the specific questions that they have. When when you're talking to uh, you know, managers at a lot of these businesses, what are the type of pain points that they're that they're coming to the, you with or, or the type of information that, that they're looking for? So most of the time, the entry is during a concrete crisis. For example, during this crisis in Sudan, we were approached by a multi-billion dollar organization or euro organization from Germany in regards to, to, to battle damage assessments at the end of the day where we tried to understand what is the, the, the conflict in this exact neighborhood, which was controlled partly by Russian mercenaries. How, how do you gain access, et cetera, and, and so forth. So these are like really specific problems we get approached for. 
And then we actually show them this entire world of profound decision-making. This is one thing. The second thing is regulatory responsibilities. Some companies try to minimize their, their regulatory footprint or their, their, their exposure to legal risks by just adhering to international standards. And most companies then just realize, oh, you need threat intelligence and travel risk management. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah, you should impl implement that. And that's how we get in the talks as well. It's just from a like, kind of regulatory standpoint. And the third thing is just put a price tag on it. If the, 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 the most vulnerable supply chains need to be protected somehow, and you need to be able to understand what could threaten these processes. And if the company gets hurt at this exact point, they will try to look into their network of their security responsible um, positions on how could they have predicted this. In Germany, we always say, how could we have not known this? Yeah, it's called intelligence. That's, that's what we do. Are, are there any kind of things that you see as very important, but like when you're talking about it with clients, they just don't see the value of, and maybe that's like a bad place to lead with, or, or are there any kind of topics like that? Yeah, sometimes. What happens from time to time? If we, mostly we get one or two people in the organization who understand what we're doing, and they are big fans. Then they approach the senior leadership of the company and they're like, yeah, this is a good thing, but we need to, to, to integrate this somehow. We need this cultural transformation within our own organization to be able to use this information. I don't know how this, this organization has made decisions before, uh, but if they tell me they need to re rework the entire decision-making within your organization, I'm wondering whether just like throwing out cards and just putting a finger, finger on one of them, it doesn't make any sense. That is one of the biggest challenges we face. And in other things, it's just a lack of understanding of uh, strategic foresight. It's, we always call it a, a radar for risk and risk radar to some extent, or we just try to use some acronym, like uh, some other words for things we do. But if there's no real understanding, we have to start the basics. How does leadership work? What is that? And is, as a non-military community or like country, there is no leadership taught for many people. I mean, look at the United States, look at Israel, where you have like, or look at Switzerland. Switzerland is great. Or the UK. Places. UK, yeah. everybody has like a really well-defined culture of, of military leadership, which just requires intelligence, not Germany. Malte, I, I want to turn this back to you now. You were talking and you had a great example of showing the ROI of, of some of the services with the mining operation example that you had. One, one thing that I'm thinking about too is when any conversation that I have with management, it always comes back to return on investment, return on investment, return on investment. Every dollar that we're putting out has to show so, some return. To, to either shareholders or the owner of the company in some way. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear from you as to how do you go about showing that ROI to, to management? And you had a great example there where it was just dollars and cents, but do, do you have difficulty providing that kind of information or is, is that something they're looking for? Yeah, it can be difficult sometimes if somehow down the road. Yeah, if, the, if there's not an immediate return, on the investment if yeah if the company can't really see the numbers changing from day one of implementation of a, of a possible implementation of, of of some measure some tool some intelligence tool 
So usually there needs to be a very palpable, something that you can actually grasp, some benefit that really immediately comes comes with it. So the argumentation we're usually taking, the, the road that we're usually taking is by showing if you implement this measure, you can save on, for example, a number of different other tools that you've used before. You can consolidate, for example, resources that you've had before. And we're trying to play the numbers game with, with with the clients. As I alluded to before, especially in the economic climate that we've got at the moment, that's really what counts. I really haven't come across an example of a company that basically says, well, we're fine. Go, just go ahead. We're just buying your services. That's that's going to be cool. Let's see how it, how it pans out. And then we look at renewing the contract maybe. So this is not the climate where we're in at the moment. So we've seen a lot of downsizing in terms of budgets with big, even global players who are present in Germany. So budgets are being cut. Corporate security departments are being downsized sometimes to to nil. Just some recent examples of of big global players who are also in Germany. Uh, we've seen that. So it's it's a difficult market. It's definitely a difficult market. And it's, it's not the easiest of times. So the cost argument is certainly something we always have to prepare in, in anything. And yeah, so that's that's number one. Another thing which we always do is we look at certain vulnerabilities. I have a good example from this. I was approached a couple of months back, or more than a year ago, actually. There was a company based in Mexico, and, and the company need to ship their materials to German industry clients throughout Mexico going eastbound, and they had to use one big harbor called Veracruz. Maybe some of you guys know it. And every time the company tried to ship something and there was some sort of unrest within the local population, for some reason, the roads were closed and the shipment could not make it in time. And then we did some analysis. We found out the shipment, the, the, the local population uses this really vital highway as a, some sort of negotiation piece with the local government. They tell them, We don't want to have any abductions by the local cartel. If that still happens, we will block the road until you help us. And this hap happens with political unrest. This happens with crime, with local. And there, there was one time where like a local mayor was corrupt or whatever, and they were just angry. And they just blocked the, 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 the highway. And the company could not deliver the, um, the services. So just by using and competence and having the right data, You can understand these processes. You cannot really predict them, but you can have a better understanding of the risk involved and they actually mitigate the risks within this process and actually have less vulnerability. And the way how we sell it to the clients is, okay, you guys lose on this vulnerability every year, fictive number right now, 20 million euros. If we have a better understanding and have better measures, you guys will only lose 10. And then the number games start to play again in our favor. And this is something which, which I can recommend to everyone is intelligence is only relevant if it actually fixes something. If it doesn't fix anything or is it, if it isn't of value to, to this really extent for a business case, that's just another newsletter, which is really interesting, but not really relevant at all. The leverage that we're using really comes down to what's, what's the profit. What's the actual financial benefit? That's that's really the bottom line of it. Yeah, I love that answer, guys. I found that so fascinating with the examples that you provided. I've had this conversation with other security professionals from time to time, and a lot of the times they'll be talking about we want to be seen as as just an advisor, and they don't want to get into that ROI calculation. 
And I think that's great when interest rates are at 0% and the economy is booming. But when we're in the economy that we're in right now with interest rates now at spiking 6-7% with profits in decline, with revenues going down, management teams are looking to raise funds and, and cut spending wherever they can. And so if you're just coming in and like, I have a nice newsletter, like you said, do I want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a newsletter? I don't know. But if you just told me like with your example, I'm going to save $10 million on my supply chain, keeping that moving. Well, it makes it very easy to justify the, the spending on threat intelligence. I, I, I know it's not always the easiest, but when you can find those examples, because the, the, the leverage that threat intelligence teams can have with those one or two examples a year where you save the business so much money, the, the ROI can be enormous if it's presented. Yeah, yeah. Rob, uh, we really love our job and uh, we really love what we do. We love dealing with intelligence. Uh, I've been working in, in, in intelligence for years. I've studied intelligence in London. And so, Moritz, I mean, you're also passionate about intelligence, about the procedures, about developing the process, about implementing, running intelligence through uh, an intelligence system. That's all great. But as you said, it's about funds, not about fun. So that's that's really <laughs> that was nice. thinking about this for like two minutes. And that's another really interesting topic about sales. Stories sell 100%. I could talk about KPIs and how, how many minutes a client reads through our stuff and that we better at the competition and the so-and-so percentage of return of investment. But if you want to catch someone... Uh, who has no contact with intelligence at all. It's always good to tell a good story. And we've actually done that on some, some events where we're like keynote speakers for the German industry. And we just got their interest by telling some really sometimes funny, sometimes weird, and sometimes just really interesting and adrenaline-driven stories. And at the end of the day, they got a better understanding of what we do. There was no real, uh, monetary benefits to the story. I didn't tell them all that line saved so much money because that was not the point. The point was about telling this is actually possible. And sometimes, I hate to say it, coolness factor sells a bit too. Sometimes. It always depends on the, on the decision maker. But yeah. All right, gentlemen, we're coming up on all the time that I promised to steal from you today. What's the main takeaway you want listeners to remember from our conversation? So the main takeaway is, especially in this economy and with underdeveloped markets, numbers sell. Having a good AI, having good stories to tell what is actually the benefit to the client and not being afraid to explain a lot. Uh, we, we spend a lot of our time just doing educational stuff, just like this podcast, where we try to teach other people what we do and what's the benefit at all. That is, from this perspective onwards, the advice I could give. And how can listeners uh, learn more about what you guys are up to at Plan for Risk if they want to reach out? Yeah, so planforrisk.com, four with the number, so plan, then the number four, and then risk.com, everything written together. We do have a blog as well. We do free webinars to different topics, especially for the German industry. If someone is actually listening from, from Germany, that would be great. But you add us there out there as well. You get great insights into the German industry if it's interesting to you guys. Yeah, we do have great access to them. And yeah, industry is small, right? Yeah, obviously, it's, it's a brand new website that's just gone online. 
And of course, we're also on LinkedIn and we're pretty uh, regular with our newsletters. They are driven by events, actually. So we've got a crisis newsletter that comes out whenever there's a major event um, that we're trying, trying to highlight. And we're giving out free examples, for example, of our work and analyses. This is how you can find out and sign up to our basically newsletter. That's a good way to find out more about us. All right. I'll be sure to include all those resources in the show notes. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking Threat Intelligence, sponsored by LifeRaft. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to these episodes. And if you'd like more insights on building a successful threat intelligence program, be sure to check out our resource page at lifebraffinc.com slash blog. That's lifebraffinc.com slash blog. And I hope you tune in next time.